one glorious truth from that psalm. Based on the psalm that we all love, Psalm 23, and as I was listening to them sing that song, I thought I really appreciate uh, time in, uh, by the still waters and the green pastures, but I've known Jesus long enough that I've also come to appreciate the valley of the shadow of death. I, in fact, I think there's probably a good theological argument to be made that it's really the valley that you come to see him for who he really is. And that's right in line with what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, I'd love for you to stand with me at this time for the reading of God's holy word. And we're studying through the gospel of Mark. And this morning we come to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. So we'll read those verses together as the glory of our Lord is on display in this passage. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took, with him, took, uh, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. It's the creator come in the flesh. That's who this is, that the winds and waves obey him. He's a glorious teacher, but he's so much more than a teacher. He's, he's a king. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name today, for it's true that we are either in the storm, just coming out of one, or about to head into one. I thank you that there's one who's greater, and his name is Jesus. And I pray that what the Holy Spirit intended when this passage was inspired to be preserved in Scripture is what the message is today. And I said in humility, you speak word of truth that we need. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, of course, you may be seated. And as we uh, get started, um, I'm going to make this statement, and then we'll make it regularly for the next number of Sundays. Because as we jump in here to Mark chapter 4, verse 35, the first in a sequence of events are going to be, begin to take place Uh, and there's a theme behind them all. So here's the statement, make it, I'm sure I've made it before, but make it again, and then uh, I'm going to repeat it so that I keep thinking about it and understanding it, and then you as a church family, we can understand this together. Everything in your life that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything in your life that can be shaken will be shaken. So if you want stability, you are going to have to build your life on that which cannot be shaken. Some of you, as I'm looking around, as I was saying that, you were nodding because you know what I'm talking about. You have been there or you are there. Everything that can be shaken 
will be shaken. So here we are, Jesus gets in the boat with the disciples and they go across the sea. And I'll just tell you all that's about to transpire. They're going to go across through this storm. And that's going to be dramatic. We're going to study that this morning. He's going to get off the boat and immediately be in, he's going to encounter a man who's possessed of demons. Nobody can control him. Nobody can contain him. He is completely out of control. And Jesus is going to go from that situation back on the boat, go back to the other side. And when he gets to, back to the other side where he started, he's immediately going to be met by a man who's desperate because his daughter is dying. And on his way to go to his house, he's going to be encountered by a woman who's had an issue of bleeding for 12 years. And she has nowhere else to turn. Everything in your life that can be shaken will be shaken. And on this sequence of scenes that we see in Scripture, if you've got an outline, we'll just put it this way. Great trouble is going to come in your life, and it's going to come in one of four ways. First way we'll study this morning is we'll call it disaster. It's just disaster. The world we live in has been subjected to futility. Romans 8 teaches that. The world we live in is not harmonious. Have you noticed that? There are hurricanes and tornadoes and floods. We know a thing or two about floods here in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, don't we? Some of you, your whole life was upended by a flood. There's earthquakes, there's tsunamis, there are fires, there are droughts. There are places on earth with far too little rain. There are places on earth with far too much rain. And disasters often come suddenly and unexpectedly. Trouble can also come from demons. There are spiritual forces of wickedness in the world, and there is real evil, friends. There is a real spiritual enemy who lies and he steals and he kills and he destroys. Trouble may come because of disease. There are debilitating diseases. There is cancer and sickness, coronavirus. There are diseases of the body. There are diseases of the mind. There are diseases that seemingly have no cure. And on top of all that, there's death itself. None of us are getting out of here alive. Now, each of these in turn, disaster, demons, disease, and death, are greater than you are. They're mightier than any of us. And you're going to have much trouble in your life. I'm thankful that we have a word of God that is true to real life. Nobody who's a serious student of the scripture could ever argue that this is a book that teaches you to put your head in the sand and ignore the reality of trouble. One of the promises that Jesus has given us is in this world you will have trouble. Through many tribulations must we enter the kingdom of heaven. There will be things that come along that you do not know how to deal with. The most experienced fishermen in the group of disciples is out on the uh, sea. They don't know what to do. The boat's filling up and they don't know how to handle it. Things will happen and you will not have expected them. You will not have wanted them. You will not be able on your own to stay on top of them. We like to believe the lie that we are self-sufficient. But self-sufficiency, friends, is an illusion. We tend to think if we're just smart enough, work hard enough, if we're educated enough, that nothing will ever come our way that we aren't able to handle. 
Some even say that God will, get, will never give you more than you can handle. They didn't get it from this book. They didn't get it from these scenes. Now, it is more theologically accurate. Here's the theological precision and accuracy. All of these things are greater than you, but none of these things are greater than him. And it is true that God will permit things in your life that are more than you can handle. But it is not true that anything will come in your life that is more than he can handle. And I'm not just trying to give some cute little phrases. This matters. It matters in your life personally where you're building because everything in your life that can be shaken will be shaken. This morning I want us to consider the unshakable promises of Jesus. There are things greater in the world than you. There are disasters you aren't going to be able to stay and prevent. There are demonic forces in the world that are more powerful than you. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There are diseases that are greater than you. And most certainly death is more powerful than you. And when, not if, when the unexpected day comes, we need a rock to stand on and we need to have something That when everything in your life that can be shaken, is shaken, remains unshaken. Amen? So we'll start here first with Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And we're going to chart the action. Uh, If you've got an outline and want to follow along, we're just going to use some of the words from this passage to just keep us moving through the the, uh, paragraph here. So let's start with this first word. It's going to be a cross. A cross. It says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it's a really simple statement. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Now, this real simple question, it's not a deep, uh, uh, complicated question. What do you think Jesus meant when he said, let's go across to the other side? Who, who wants to answer? What do you think Jesus meant when he said, let's go across to the other side? Here's what I think he meant. Let's get in the boat and go across to the other side. Pretty straightforward and simple, right? We're going to get in the boat. We're going to get into, let us, let us go together. We're going to go together. I'm going to be with you. We're going to get in the boat and we're going to go across to the other side. Now, this is important. Did Jesus say, let us go across smoothly to the other side? Did he say that? No. Did he say, let us go across and nothing unexpected is going to come up before we get to the other side? No, he promised we're going to go across to the other side. He does not say we'll go across smoothly or stormless to the other side. But he has promised we will go across to the other side. Everybody's tracking this together, right? So he has given them a promise. And that's what we're talking about. The unshakable promises of Jesus. Because you need to know that he has not promised you a smooth or stormless journey. In fact, again, to be more accurate, he has promised that you will have trouble. But I will tell you this, that once Jesus said they were going to go across to the other side, there was not a storm big enough to keep them from getting across to the other side. And you need to trust the promises of Jesus. He has promised to never leave you or forsake you. He has promised that those who believe in him will have a place with him forever. He has promised us a place that where he is, there we may be 
also. So he said, we're going to go across. The next word, to just keep tracking along, is arose. You know how preachers like their alliteration. So they are going to start with A, all of them. He says, we're going to go across, but before they get across, something arose. What arises? Mark chapter 4, verse 37. A great, in the original language, that means a great, big, huge windstorm arose. And look at the effects. The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now, a couple of things I want to say about this storm that arose is the implication is that when they got into the boat, everything was calm, right? When evening came, it says in verse 35, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, and then they get in the boat, they've left the crowd, uh, they've been at it all day, they've been ministering, they've been in large crowds. The sense kind of is, they got in the boat and it's like, <sighs> we know Jesus was exhausted because what does he do? He goes in the stern, lays down and goes to sleep. And then they set out, and, and the implication is, suddenly there arose, unexpectedly it arose. And, and this geographical location they were on, the sea, it, it, these horizons are, uh, uh, mountainous is too strong a term, but there are hills, and uh, so, so it does preclude you, if you're in the boat, on the water, from seeing what might be coming. And so when the storm arrives, it catches them off guard. So just real quick, look in your scripture, and it says, on that day. Here's what you need to know. There will be days that you didn't know were going to be that day. That guess what? They're that day. Many of you can call to mind that day. For you, it was in September. For some of you, it was in April. And you've got a day etched in your mind. When you got up that day, you didn't know it was that day, but then it came and it was that day. Do you know what I'm saying about that day? It's unexpected. It arose Seemingly came out of nowhere. Now, I will tell you, I believe the disciples got in the boat not knowing what was about to happen, but I don't believe Jesus got in the boat not knowing what was about to happen. And it speaks of his character, but he wasn't anxious about it. He wasn't troubled about it. He went to sleep in light of it. Now, I'm a planner. Anybody else a planner? I like to know everything that's going to happen in a day before I get to that day. I like to structure (laughs) everything in my life. When I'm going to get up, what I'm going to do when I get up, how long I'm going to read this, and how long I'm going to do that, and who I'm going to see, and who I'm going to visit, and how I'm going to outline a sermon, and everything about my life is, is structured. And I've got four children. The Bible gives us a warning. We know it, many of us, but I'm not sure how uh, <laughs> we need more grace to understand it. James 4.13 Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So things come unexpectedly. When change or trouble comes suddenly and unexpectedly, that's when we are most vulnerable to doubt his love, his power, and his care. They got a promise, don't they? What's the promise? We're going across to the other side. But circumstances changed that left them doubting his promise. This applies to all of our lives, doesn't it? 
before they get to the other side, circumstances change in such that they begin to fear they're not going to get across the other side, right? The Gospels say, uh, other accounts in the Scripture, Matthew and, and Luke, for example, they tell this story and they say, we're going to perish. We're going to die. In other words, we're not going to get across to the other side. That's what they say. He's in the stern asleep on the cushion, verse 38. They woke him. It's seen as they're shaking him, waking him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? That brings us to the next one. We've got a, a, a cross, awoke, asleep. Asleep, because here's what will happen to you. When you're not in the storm, you'll say, this won't happen to me when I get in the storm. But I'm just going to go on and tell you, you're going to have this happen when you get in the storm. You are going to begin to question whether or not he really does care about you. And I want to say just parenthetically for our church family, in fact, I love the fighter verses because it'll talk about this. The one for the upcoming week, how we live together in a church family. We, we, need to, uh, we need to be patient with people who are in that moment. Do you know what I mean? Because in the valley, you will learn some things about God that you would not have ever known about him. Yes, his goodness, yes, his character, yes, his power, his holiness, his righteousness. You will learn about him in the storm and in the valley in ways you couldn't when the sea is calm, so to speak. And we need to be patient with people when they're still in the midst of a storm. Do you know what I mean? And allow God to work in their lives in such a way. I always say about Job's friends, they were helpful to him until they started talking. And when the bottom fell out for Job, they wanted to explain everything. Well, he's asleep. Now, here's a question. Why do you think he was asleep? I think it's because he was tired. And serving all day, teaching all day. We have the humanity of Jesus on display here. He was fully man. Our God came as a human being. And he's become weary from teaching, from walking, from helping, from serving. You do not have a high priest who is far removed from your experiences in life. If you're tired, Jesus knows what it's like to be tired. If you're exhausted, Jesus knows what it's like to be exhausted. If you're tempted, Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. He's familiar with our sufferings. He himself hungered. He himself thirsted. He himself got worn out. Jesus is weary from doing good. He's not weary in doing good. There is a, a difference between those two things, friends. But his sleeping is a problem for the disciples once this storm is raging. They think... He doesn't care what happens to them. Have you ever felt that way? God, where are you? Have you ever felt that Jesus doesn't care about what's going on in your life? Have you ever felt that he's uninterested, uninvolved, or unable? I'm convinced that one of the most commonly used lies of the enemy to the hearts of men and women is that God does not care. But again, perhaps you felt this way. And this matters, friends, because it's going to be really important in your life when this fight is going on, if you're going to trust your feelings or if you're going to trust his word. Are you going to trust... This is the difference between walking by faith and walking by sight. They see the storm, they feel the storm, they've been knocked down by the storm. Making, listen carefully, his word, what he says in scripture, subservient to your feelings, is the shortcut to bad theology and outright blasphemy. 
you will make conclusions about God that are not true, and you'll justify that they must be true because that's how I feel. And the heart is deceitful above all things, friends, and desperately wicked. If you want to trust yourself for your own stability, well, if it's not disaster, it'll be demons. And if it's not demons, it'll be disease. And if it's not disease, it will be death. To reveal the insufficiency of your ability to be autonomous, in charge, and in control. They felt like he did not care, but that does not mean he did not care. Does that make sense? Just because they felt Friends, just because you feel something doesn't mean it is true. Now, in our culture in 2020, we've, that's, that's our gospel. If you feel something to be true, it doesn't matter who tells you it's not true. You just, the gospel according to Disney, follow your own heart. But he's given them a promise. And in light of, where's he ultimately going, by the way? He's going to, yes, he's going to go across the sea to to the Gerasenes and he's going to interact with that demoniac and he's going to come back and Jairus is going to be there and his little girl is dying and he's going to go to his and he's going to go where is he ultimately going in light of the cross in light of the cross of Calvary there is no more inappropriate question or a misguided question is do you not care do you not care friends the whole reason Jesus Christ is in the boat is because he cares God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not what? We're perishing. We're perishing. We're perishing. We're perishing. What will speak more loudly to you? His promise or the waves pounding on the boat? They forgot in that moment, and we're all vulnerable to this. Well, I want to be sensitive to their predicament. They forgot in a moment his never-failing care for them. They forgot that with him they would always be safe. They forgot everything but the... uh, They forgot everything in that moment except the sight and the sound of the present danger and under that impression of it. They said he's sleeping, he doesn't care. We also learn here that devoted followers of Jesus, they can become anxious and troubled. So we're going to be patient with one another in the midst of it. Friends, given the right pressure points, any of us can become paralyzed with fear and anxiety. It's just whether or not we got pressured in the right area of life. And if at times a man or a woman is fearful or anxious, this does not mean that they cannot be mightily used of God. I mean, this is Peter, James, and John in the boat we're talking about, right? So there's a moment in their lives when they say, Master, we perish. But I will tell you that in Christ Jesus, God has shown that he cares deeply and he has done everything to save us from truly perishing going across there arose a storm he's asleep and the next one is he awoke (laughs) mark 4 39 guess who is not anxious or troubled he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still guess who's not anxious guess who's not troubled guess who's not overwhelmed What happens with the water and the waves reflects the stability of the soul of Jesus. The storm rages, Jesus sleeps. They missed a point. It was not because he didn't care that he was asleep. It's because he knew they weren't going to sink. It's not because he didn't care that he was asleep. It's because he'd actually already, if you think about it, told them everything they needed to know. We are going across to the other side side 
Storm's not going to take us down. Storm's not going to make us perish. But I love about Jesus is he is patient. He corrects them, but he's also patient with them. And I want you to know, friends, that the one who dies for your sin is not anxious. The one who holds your eternity in his nail-scarred hand is not pacing the floor up in heaven. What to you feels and seems sudden and unexpected is firmly beneath the sovereignty of a good and mighty God. He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. Well, how can he do that? Well, he created everything. Christ is the creator. Why can he speak to the sea and say, stop? Well, he made it. Why can he say to the wind, stop? Because he's the creator. And that leaves them. Now, this is the 1A, I will tell you, that's not actually here in the passage, but and it's going to be awestruck. It doesn't use that word, but we'll use it here. They're awestruck. He says, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? There have been times in my life when I've been afraid, and this scripture comes to my mind. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Faith in what? Faith in that he will do what he said he will do. Amen? Friends, we are going to get across to the other side. We are. I'm getting there. (laughs) Not on my own merit. I'm getting there by his grace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, would would I tell you that I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus Jesus is unshakable, and therefore his promises are too. So three exhortations in light of Mark 4, 35 to 41. First one is this. We will encounter situations that call the promises of God into question and tempt you to doubt God's care for you. So trust that he is present and he is good. When trouble comes, those are the first two things. That's, that is the spiritual fight. You'll think he doesn't care or he's not able. Either he's distant, removed, he's not involved, he's, he's careless or he's powerless. And that's what was going on in their hearts. We've been there, haven't you? You've been there. Some of you are there. Why is this storm happening? A, a great question to ask is, would they ever realize who he really is apart from the storm? Secondly, we will either be overwhelmed by trouble or in awe of Jesus. When trouble comes, that's that's what happens. Either completely overwhelmed or you're going to be in awe of Jesus. I think it is telling how they addressed him. Teacher, do you not care? Friends, teachers don't calm storms. God does. So they needed to see that he's more than a teacher. And there's no one in this room that that doesn't need 
an increased understanding of how powerful he is. But who he is, the depth of his might, what's amazing about Jesus is the depth of his might and the sensitivity of his care, if I can put it that way. He's compassionate and powerful, and we'll see that in all these scenes as we go through them. But the depth of his might and the nearness of his care is largely unknown apart from the storm. It's actually good of God to reveal to us our lack of self-sufficiency. For apart from that, we can never see our need of his sufficiency. So you'll either be overwhelmed by trouble or you will be in awe of Jesus. And third, by grace and because of Jesus, we will cross to the other side. By grace and because of Jesus, we will cross to the other side. As we study Scripture, we always want to see this passage that we're in in light of the momentous and significant suffering on the cross of Jesus and his glorious resurrection. So I'm going to put those words back on the screen that we started with. And there they are, and <laughs> they're coming. <laughs> but you just come into your mind. A cross and a rose. I read this passage again and again, and then I finally saw it again. A cross and a rose. How are you going to get to the other side? It's because of a cross, isn't it? It's because he arose. And here's what I want you to know. The real storm that God could have been just for you to go through is the storm of God's righteous wrath against sin. Now, don't, don't turn your mind off here. Listen to me. If these men thought this was something, oh, for you to have God's righteous wrath. Sin is telling God that he doesn't matter and he's not wanted. And all of us have done that. All of us have said, as a creation, we'll... <laughs> We'll blow like the wind where we want to. We'll do what we want, how we want, when we want. Which is actually insane for creation to say to the creator. But that's what we've done. And we don't live beyond his sovereignty and authority. That's where self-sufficiency, the lie of it, actually comes from. Eat this fruit, you'll be like God, you'll be God, and you get to decide what's right and wrong. But I want you to see that Jesus... Jesus went to Calvary, and he weathered that storm. And that's a real storm. He knew, he knew about it. He saw that storm coming off the horizon in eternity past. And when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows that storm's coming, and he's in agony. Such agony, he says, Father, if there be any way that this storm passes me by, may that come to pass. And there's no way that you or I are going to go across to the other side and be with him apart from him going to the cross. How do we know he weathered the storm? He come up out of that grave, amen? He arose. It 
is finished. What did he mean when he said that? He hung there in agony. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As the storm of God's wrath rages against him. And you know what the irony is? When Jesus was in the garden, (laughs) agonizing and saying, God, can this storm pass? Where were the disciples? You know the answer, don't you? Where were they? Asleep. And that's how we are as human beings. Worked up about what we don't need to be worked up oblivious to what the real storm is. But when you unite yourself to faith in Jesus, it's like you're in the boat with him. That's what it's like. And you're going to get across because he is going across. And now, and now for a believer in Jesus, we're about to celebrate this in baptism, When the wrath of God, that storm's going to come against people, if you've united yourself to faith in Jesus, do you know what? It's peace. Be still. Peace. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you united yourself to faith in him? Everything in your life that can be shaken is going to be shaken. The only thing that cannot be shaken in this life is the promises of God. The promises of God. Friends, if you're in a storm, trust he is not asleep. You might be thinking to yourself, these winds, they have blown long enough. (laughs) Why are these ways? I think I'm going to perish. You're not going to perish. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You say, it's not good. Well, I would tell you two things quickly. Number one, we often do a bad job of interpreting what's good and what's not good. At a soul level. And two, if it really isn't good yet, that just means he's not done yet. He is going to work all things together for good. And my encouragement to you is you look to the cross and you remember that the greatest adversity and storm I would have justly ever faced, he's faced on my behalf. So having not had to face that, I'll trust him in the midst of this. So we're either headed for a storm, in a storm, or just coming out. When we are with him for eternity, his unshakable promise assures us that it will be peace once we get there with him to the other side. I want to ask you to stand with me, and we're going to pray together. Bow your heads with me. and We believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of it. We believe it is the power of God unto salvation. And so then we have the public proclaiming of God's word, and we go from that to a public invitation. If you've got a burden, a concern, and you want to pray this morning, and part of the invitation, you're welcome to come here to the front. You want to come with somebody and seek the Lord? If you've got a burden and you want to 
me to pray with you. It would be my privilege to do that. You might just say, I am, in a, I am in a storm. And there are moments that I feel like I am going to perish. I am going to go under. Maybe for the first time, it, the Holy Spirit is using his word, the word of God, to bring you to a realization that there is a righteous storm coming for those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. And I again implore you, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's taken that storm, that wrath on himself. He's paid it for you. He's paid it instead of you. He's paid it in your place. That's what Jesus is doing on the cross, dying for your sin. He has no sin of his own to suffer for. He's sinless. And see his might and see his compassion. Why would he do such a thing? Because he loves you. Father, lead our time of invitation. Pray it's spirit-led and it's in line with the word of God. I pray for anybody that's here today and they need to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Cast out lies like we'll do that some other time. It's not a good time. Now, 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 today is the day of salvation. Father, for those who are burdened and they know they, they could impact Empathize greatly with the disciples this morning. Do you not care? God, may the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ forever answer for us of whether or not you care for us. What more could you do to demonstrate your care for us than what you've done? So fill this sanctuary up with obedience and joy, with prayerfulness. Lead us by the Spirit. Bring about what's pleasing and glorifying in your sight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.